Hi, everybody. It's Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. I have got a beautiful case study to share with you. I want to introduce you to Sarah, who's calling in from Denmark. She's part of our Rocksteady members community. And I've been following Sarah for a little while now, and it's really beautiful to reconnect. Um, I'm so glad you're brave enough to share your story. And I'm really glad you found me on the internet and we've had this opportunity to connect. So welcome and thank you for your time. Thank you, Joey. And yeah, I, um, it's been uh, so wonderful getting to know you and at the Rocksteady program. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to maybe start from the beginning and, and, and briefly say in the beginning, feeling confused, feeling lost, um, and deciding to join the Rocksteady Online program for that guidance. Do you want to perhaps start there and then let us know how you traveled through the program and, and where it led you to? We'll start at the beginning. Okay. So I believe that it was uh, at the late 2020, mm -hmm. uh, one evening, my I've had tinnitus since 2015 mm -hmm. and um, but uh, so it was in 2020 uh, one evening my tinnitus just went straight up mm -hmm. it became really, really loud and I panicked mm -hmm. as I had for uh, many years when it did that and I went to bed and I was really upset crying didn't know what to do. So uh, I just went to YouTube and uh, typed in tinnitus. And then uh, I found your um, uh, interview with uh, Julian Coben, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a British guy, um, where the both of you spoke about um, tinnitus history and recovery and so I just listened to that in bed and it I kind of um, calmed me and then the period afterwards I actually looked up Julian a bit more um, but it, his it it didn't resonate that much with me his path so I circled back to your channel and just uh, went through a lot of the content. And that really uh, was really helpful for me because I was really confused mm. at the time and had been for many years on what to do about uh, my situation because for me, the tinnitus was really uh, invalidating. Uh, it was, um, I was really afraid of it. Um, I've had uh, uh, sleep uh, issues since the beginning, been a lot on, been on a lot of sleeping medications. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and would freak out every time it went up. So uh, yeah, very confused on what to do. Uh, and then I believe your book came out uh, uh, soon after um, I found her uh, on, you, on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so I bought the book and I read it. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it, was uh, uh, it was new. It was, uh, I didn't, I've never spoken to anyone about uh, supporting myself or uh, I've I just mainly been told to live with it and, and not really how to uh, maybe change my um, beliefs around it and yes so it was it was a, 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 like fresh air a breath of fresh air Mm -hmm. 
And then I reached out in order to become a part of the work study program because I really wanted to go more in depth mm-hmm. uh, with the program. And then I, uh, I became a, a scholarship member um, and started my journey with the work study. And that wasn't in the beginning of 2021. Mm. Um, and, but then kind of quickly uh, in the process, I also felt very stuck because mm-hmm. I've had a lot of trauma. And so I didn't, I, it, it was difficult for me to, To support myself, even though there was a lot of exercises and uh, great audios and like a lot of knowledge, um, I still felt um, very not quite right. Mm. And then I reached out to you. and we had, uh, you offered me um, uh, three sessions where we worked uh, uh, with um, <clears throat> trauma experienced. And, uh, and then, what can you say? Um, I, I think it was still, it's, you know, it's been a, it's been a process. And uh, it's taking, it has been taking for me a long time to uh, slow down mm-hmm. and really connect to myself. I think, well, I don't think it, but I believe I've been, it, it's been for me very difficult to, I've never learned how to really listen to myself that was not really a part of my Mm. upbringing Mm -hmm. there was a lot of um, uh, demands and a lot of um, I had to push myself away and uh, present myself in certain ways Mm -hmm. so yeah uh, I, I, I was really badly practiced in being myself and really well practiced in um, doing what was asked of me. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just step in and say this is really, really common and why your story is so beautiful for our listeners to hear. Um, And I even relate to these, they're called attachment traumas. When in our early life, our parents perhaps weren't able to attune to us and mirror back to us our inner world. Um, Perhaps we were met with blank faces or perhaps when we were distressed or crying, our parents were laughing and smiling and trying to cheer us up. So there was a complete emotional disconnection, which means we, we learn to ignore ourselves and to not take notice of what we're feeling in our body and to perform to our loved ones around us. And I think that can be called, fawning so we have fight flight freeze fawn patterns they're in the trauma in our nervous system and when we're fawning we disconnect from ourselves. we don't listen to ourselves and we be what we think the world needs us to be or what we're told we should be to keep us safe to keep us connected to our tribe to get a, a sense of belonging but in a sense we're rejecting ourselves we're ignoring and abandoning ourselves <clears throat> and at some point our body screams at us come on it's my turn you've got to listen to me And um, this can be part of the tinnitus and vertigo experience that the body is really calling us home to pause and deeply listen, which is hard, especially if we do have a history of trauma, whether that be micro traumas or bigger T traumas, um, in that we dissociate from ourselves and we numb ourselves, we freeze our nervous system. We don't want to feel because feeling becomes painful which means when we stop and actually feel, we get overwhelmed very quickly. So we have to really be very gentle with our body scanning and how we reintroduce sensation um, and learn how to 
not be overly focused on trauma or fear or symptomatology or pains and learn to also open up our curiosity around pleasures and delights and safety and steadiness and comfort, <clears throat> which is all really central to the Rock City program. So um, I just want to really validate you there and really welcome the listeners listening to say, well, actually, that could be me too. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. It's early morning. Um, and just last thing, a lot of these traumas, people dismiss, they minimize because it's, it is so common. We often don't have emotionally present or emotionally available parents. Like it's quite common. We're, we're rushed. We're busy. We're trying to get food on the table and earn money and put a roof over, over our children's head that we can minimize or dismiss. Well, my parents are good people. They did the best they could. And that's all true. But that we, we have to make sure we don't take away from the reality that impacted the way our brain developed and the way our nervous system used defense and protective mechanisms and the way that impacts us as healthy or traumatized adults and how we're relating to ourselves and how we're relating to the world. So it is, it is worthy of pausing to reflect because it can be a really stuck part of our healing journey if we overlook some of those attachment traumas or relational traumas with our parents or caretakers back to you Sarah yeah and then I also think that I was I'm not even sure I was that aware that I had a lot of trauma mm. um, and yeah it was I actually for a really, really long time thought that I had had a great upbringing and um, when I got like re really ill in, in late 2018, uh, I thought my life was great at the time. Mm. Like coming up, like I, became, I had a lot of um, like somatic symptoms coming, but besides from all that, I thought I was, on my path yeah. doing okay and so it all it came it I had to learn that um, Sarah needed something else and yeah. that I was not really listening and the body yeah. can only hold it for so long you know it's really smart to suppress back emotions and numb and to freeze these are really vital healthy protective mechanisms in situationally appropriate moments but when we begin living as those protective mechanisms our body is tensing in and fighting and flighting and fleeing and freezing and fawning too too often and then the body starts to get these somatic representations and symptoms whether it be irritable bowel syndrome or skin issues or vertigo or tinnitus or just these ongoing anxiety and depression symptoms that the body just needs support processing um they they can be very gentle wake-up calls or they can be really rude awakenings yeah <laughs> definitely yeah can you talk um keep on with your story but I would I would love you to perhaps share just that stuck place a little bit and how if <clears throat> my sense I'll talk from my point of view and then you can share yours my sense is that trauma has been demonized and put in the too hard box. And it's like, oh my God, don't go there. Don't talk about it. I don't want this. No, thanks. But as I've dug in a little deeper and recognized actually some of my own traumas, which same as you, I would have said I had a great middle-class upbringing. You know, I, it took me until my early thirties to realize <clears throat> there was a few things that just weren't adding up for me. Um, I was finding it really hard to get it, like to be interested in boyfriends or to believe in love. Like I just had all these intimacy and relational patterns that were repeating. And I, I finally sort of woke up to it and I, and I, I had to, to do some reflective work and that kept going even after I married and had children, layers of that trauma just kept niggling at me. And um, I want to say it was really beautiful as I opened up to the humanity of trauma and how common it is. And actually it's very rare to meet a human being on this planet who doesn't have some level of experience in trauma. If it's not directly within themselves, which I think it's up to 90% of people. So it's everywhere to some degree. Mm -hmm. 
we know someone who's traumatized and perhaps a very close person. So trauma really is a part of our human fabric. I want to stop here and say we are designed as human beings to adapt to trauma, to move through it. We are incredibly resilient and neuroplasticity is the heart of that adaptability. So learning Mm. how to use our neuroplasticity to shift trauma patterns in our neurology, in our neural maps is powerful. It gives us back our responsibility and our power both at the same time. So it's this tricky tension of, do I want to go there? Does it make me abnormal? Does it make things more complicated? Or is it the opening to deeper, faster, quicker, more rapid, more profound healing? Because we're actually going to the source and we're going to some of those very old neural maps that are not serving us. Mm. Um, And so in many ways, I feel like I want to really soften the T word and the trauma word and make it a friendly tabletop conversation word where people are willing to go there and lean into it. Be curious. We're all holding trauma in some way, I would I would hazard a guess. Mm. And I think it's time we stop silencing it. And it's time to really lean in and feel through some of those dysfunctional trauma patterns, which are often passed on from intergenerationally from our parents subconsciously. And as we awaken our awareness, we stop passing them on to our children, which really excites me actually. So from that stuck place and then recognizing, okay, there's trauma going on here, using the T word, reaching out and then getting some trauma education and support. What changed? Was it worth it? Yeah, well, uh, I think it's been a long way coming because I I think for a really long time I've been resisting Mm. feeling uh, the trauma because it's been very painful and and I thought it was something I had to fix mm. and, and like get rid of because yeah I thought that was that was what I wanted I guess uh, initially uh, but um it just resisting resisting it was just keep it would just keep keep coming back yeah uh, the feelings, uncomfortable feelings, the, the triggers, the, yeah. uh, the everything about it. And so it was, it, it was first when I really, I, I think I started in the small. Um, so instead of resisting uh, just everyday uh, little traumas, nothing big, but just you know, rec- recognizing myself and my feelings. Uh, mm-hmm. And I remember one of the first sentences from the Rock Steady program that really helped me was, "It is okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay." Mm-hmm. And I, and I just kept repeating that to myself when I was having a difficult emotion. I would just keep telling myself, "It's okay. Feel like this." Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable, but it's okay. And just, just that, um, you know, that approval, and that um, that was opposite from resisting it, like pushing it away. And that really, that was when I started to notice. Okay, I need to lean in. (laughs) Uh, There's something to to um holding it yeah Uh, and then it's been you know it's been challenging still for a long time to go into the bigger trauma and it's actually it's 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 been this year 2022 that i've been going a lot deeper and and really being able to hold very uncomfortable sensations, uh, thoughts, emotions. Um, but it, it's been like a revelation because I feel like I'm coming out uh, mm-hmm. on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually had, um, um, I've had uh, uh, relationship trauma in my relationship that um, 
that's not my biggest trauma, but it was something that haunted me for almost three years. Um, and I didn't really know what to do about it. And then in the beginning of this year, um, I, I felt like I kept having this thought that I, I, I needed to cry out. It was just, that was the, the thought that came back to me. And then I had a week on my own in, in the beginning of the year. And I just let myself be really sad. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, it was, I, I, would, I would cry many times a day. And instead of like it, distracting myself or ignoring it, I would just uh, lie down in bed. Uh, mostly at the time and just um giving myself a cuddle mm. and feeling the sadness and then it would pass maybe in 20 minutes maybe in 30 minutes but um and and then i, I would come then what i would feel like it okay again and then it would come back later that day but after that week of really just letting the emotions flow Mm. Uh, I went back home and then I don't know I didn't really think about uh, the week that I had I just went back home and then suddenly I think maybe a month after I realized where did that uh, trauma go because where, where is that thing that kept bugging me for three years where why is it where like I, I don't feel um, bugged by it anymore. Mm. And that was really like a big uh, aha moment to me because I was actually really surprised that I just kind of forgot about it without really noticing. And that, so I, and, and that was after that week of really just being sad because I really needed that. Um, so can I say something there? You, you made you made a mention of um, dialing back. You know the, the the trauma hovers over us, and I know for me it can feel like a blanket of brain fog. Like it just takes over. It's like all mm -hmm. these neural networks are, are pinging and firing, and they're not relevant. They're not part of my day. They're yeah. They're, they're old historical hangups, and they're. Mm -hmm. And it takes, it's exhausting for me to push them away, right? And, and I try and get through my day and I'm tired and I'm foggy. And um, and you said something like the trauma doesn't go away. or And I could just hear listeners going, well, where does it go? And so I wanted to speak to that and say, as we learn to meet these neural maps that are old, they're outdated, they're old defense mechanisms, they're old protective mechanisms, we're fighting and resisting something or we're trying to avoid, deny and run away from something. That's the fight flight. Or we're freezing and dissociating and we're shutting it down and we're squashing it down and we're stifling and we're saying, no, I don't want to feel you. You're too hard. And we keep doing that day after day, week after week, year after year. It's all exhausting and we don't need to do that. And so we don't need to get rid of the trauma patterns. They grow us. They're important. We want to own them. And so different ways of thinking about it is we integrate them we digest them we metabolize them these trauma mm -hmm. experiences and by the way you don't have to go into the memory you don't have to go into the event you don't have to relive it that is not and that was a really big part of what um, Sarah and I spoke about as she was going through the Rocksteady program and feeling stuck um, I was reassuring her that we can feel through the discomfort and the unpleasant sensations we can build our window of tolerance and our range of resilience with how our nervous system holds those big feelings and we can also be really warm loving comforting kind to ourselves and we can drip feed the experience and what a luxury to have a week to just be with a really big sadness and to go through those waves of it coming and going and to stay lovingly present that helps us to it helps the brain to let it go so the brain doesn't need to keep the cycle repeating because it's it's been integrated it's been felt this is felt sense work in the body mm -hmm. um and you know some of the, the the talking through and the tapping or the journaling and some of the more heady work or top-down work is also useful and relevant 
for gaining insights about ourselves and for helping us make meaning and move forward, make sense of the past to move forward to the future. But I think a lot of us get really stuck with not staying in the body and the felt sense and the integration, like really mm. marinating in those feelings safely so the brain can turn off the alarm and we can move out of that brain fog phase. Yeah, I totally agree on that. And I also think that my first year of rock steady was there was a lot of in, uh, gathering information. I, I mostly watched a lot of um, or listened to a lot of the, um, the call replays from the live group calls and just, uh, just mainly listening to all the audio content um, many times. Uh, also the um, bonus audios, uh, the smaller ones. It was a lot of listening and less feeling. And I think my second year with Rock City have been where I don't, it, that has been more feeling and, mm. and a little bit less gathering information because uh, I, you know, I can listen to audio about, you know, how important it is to feel my feelings because that's what they want. They want to be felt but I still have to go through the process and you know, experience it to really understand it. And, and so, yeah. Um, and when we've had, because I relate to this as well and I wrote the program, so it's kind of, I'm still learning to pause and feel more because my default mechanism is to not feel and to fawn or to pretend to perform you know, to shut myself down a little bit and really scan the outer world for what needs to happen. And I'm really in a process using my neuroplasticity skills of becoming more and more present and safe with felt sense more often. So that can be the default place of being. And I can mm. lean upon my body as the GPS navigational mm. tool. You know, the compass is my body instead of constantly scanning the outside world for guidance which keeps, which would keep me or anyone doing that trapped in external validation, external successes, external approvals, the external goose chase until we come home to our body, our felt sense and our own navigational tools where we validate ourselves and where we give ourselves permission and we allow ourselves to feel what we feel without explanation and without approval you know it's it's a self-determined process uh we mm. come we come home to ourselves and then we we save all that energy and lost life force our vitality can come back because we're not losing ourselves to the outer world and to all those defense protective mechanisms which are part of the nervous system um trauma survival coping so it's all actually really healthy mm. it's just not healthy to have them keep going on and on and on for years mm. um and this is where I feel the educational piece and gathering information is a really valid, important part of the process. Mm -hmm. And a large part of Rocksteady is educational. We are gathering information so we can understand why it's, why bother pause and feel, you know, without that context. Yeah, right. As if I'm just going to stop and scan my toes. So we need that educational context mm -hmm. To mm -hmm. then say, oh, okay, th this is this is helping me fine tune my navigational system. I, I, it makes sense that I pause and feel. The more I pause and feel, the better I get at feeling and sensing. The better I get at gathering my own internal information, so I don't need all that external information. I'm gathering it here, mm -hmm. and then we can make better choices and be more discerning about how we move forwards in our future. And mm -hmm. as you've started this for yourself, Sarah, how has your life started to shift and change as you're in your felt sense and you've got these skills of discernment and connection to your authentic self how's it shifting your present day and future choices yeah well i actually did the um um uh, uh, the um the score you do previous to joining work steady i just did it now the um what do you call it the symptom score or how the, much the progress yeah yeah, I just did it right before our call, and it's down to I think it's ten percent of my time wow. that my symptoms is uh, affecting my life, uh, my daily life. And I think it was uh, 
close to 70 when I began. So just to, just to explain that the the Rocksteady Progress Questionnaire looks at how how much of our life, whether it be emotionally, positionally or functionally, are our symptoms perceived to be causing us a disability. And actually, it's the minute your score is less than 16% of the time, one six, um, it's considered normal. So it's normal to have up to 15% of the day with passing uncomfortable, not quite right sensations. That's actually a normal part of being human. But if it's getting beyond the 20% mark, 30% mark, 40% mark, or as you've said, Sarah, you started at 70%, 70% of the day was feeling this perceived disability around sensations that were just too distracting. Um, yeah. That's an incredible exactly. improvement from 70% to 10%. Yeah, exactly. And, then, and so I obviously feel... Um, just like there's more time every day mm. to uh, doing other stuff than um, just feeling really um, sick, I guess, and very abnormal and very dysfunctional. Mm. So there's a lot of, you know, just there's a lot more time, I feel like, to dream mm -hmm. and to and to and there's a there's more um uh more energy i guess to do stuff i want to do even that could be uh, a walk uh, in the neighborhood uh, catching some fresh air it could be cooking i'm cooking a lot more um and that brings me a lot of joy uh, and I'm also beginning to uh, look at how I can come back and work mm -hmm. uh, again. I don't have an education, so it might be, um, you know, um, educating myself. But there's, um, like four years ago, or even two years ago, when I started Rocksteady, it was I, I didn't I didn't have uh, thoughts like that or I didn't consider uh, you know those things because in my world it was the only thing I wanted was just getting better yeah. and, and so I was really locked in just uh, yeah in, in very low energy and and you know I still have days where I don't where I'm not energized and where I'm just feel like staying in bed. And then I do that. But there's a lot more room, a lot more air, uh, and a lot more um, dreaming. And I, I, can, I can see that I'm slowly but steady coming, coming closer to who I want to be and what I want to do in my life. Uh, I am starting to feel, notice what sparks my interest or brings me joy. And I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm designing my life yeah. slowly, little by little. And um, having a more persistent feeling of um, of just wellness, I guess. That's beautiful. Um, it really yeah. sounds like a rebirth. It sounds like you've you've come to terms with younger Sarah and little Sarah and the many difficult um, experiences she had and you've begun deeply integrating the little traumas and bigger traumas and that mm. it feels like you're now rebirthing Sarah and redreaming for her. Like, what does she like? Who is she? What enthuses her? What sparks her joy? What does her body feel like? Where is her pleasure? And you're really owning this space in a new way. Um, mm. And as we go into the inner world, that physical, mental, emotional, spiritual place, it feels like you're being the interior designer of your inner world and you're having more fun and being more playful with who you are as a person and it makes sense to go slowly it makes sense to go slowly children grow slowly 
Um, and I think we need to let go of this ideal of being everything right now, yesterday, and giving ourselves the grace and patience to build our neural pathways profoundly, deeply, and integrate them slowly. And that's probably one of the biggest take-home messages with all trauma therapies is keep it in the body and keep going slowly. When I say keep it in the body, I mean keep feeling through it with loving kindness and empathy. Feel through it, be with it, integrate it, and go slowly. If we do too much too soon, we we fall on the floor again and we can mm. re-traumatize ourselves. Um, so I think slowly, slowly is a is a really beautiful way to approach this redesigning of the new you and your new normal. Exactly. And it's a practice. So, you know, sometimes, some days I might have, uh, it just feels like I can't do this uh, enough. Um, uh, I just, I, I hate this feeling. I just, why I'm not better. Like I will definitely have things like that or just, yeah. And then, you know, so it's just coming, it's coming back. It's trial and error. It's, mm-hmm. it's practice and, and it's dynamic and just keep going uh, because um, and also, yeah and I'm just as you're saying that I'm thinking well yeah welcome to being human you know sometimes we do need a day in bed all of us yeah. and we are plagued with doubts or you know why me why this we get stuck we get confused I think just as in general humanity regardless of what country we're born in or our um our sex, race, gender, age, and so on, we are confronted with challenges and self-doubts. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the less loving, comfort, and warmth we were given as children, it makes sense to balance out the equation the more loving, comfort, and warmth we need as adults. Like we need to learn, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I can be loving with that. I can be warm to I, I can, right. So it sort of makes sense that the people who were lucky to get a, a lot of loving, kindness, and warmth in their childhood probably don't get as many triggers for needing um, to stimulate that as adults. You know, they may have a, a more um, a more baseline of loving ki- kindness toward themselves because they're just doing, they're repeating the way they were treated to themselves. Mm. But they're still doing it, right? It's just that it's a, it's, a, it's a more normative process for them. Whereas for those of us who didn't have the loving kindness and warmth in our childhood and we were told, you know, to pipe down, quieten, you know, go to your bedroom or move on, get over it, be happy, be cheerful, whatever we were told. Now as adults, when we're feeling low or confused or slow or tired or not good enough, these are all opportunities to bring in that voice of loving kindness and warmth and learn to be present with that new part of ourselves because yeah part of us is sad and and perhaps melancholic or feeling low low confidence another part of us is feeling really loving toward that and and making space and welcoming and being that loving caring other that says you're important to me I care about you and we're Mm. learning to give that back to ourselves if we didn't have that role modeling as children, we're actually learning to give that to ourselves now as adults. And so we're getting lots of opportunities to practice. And every time, every little moment we fall in a heap and we have a low mood or, you know, a challenge, it's an invitation and an opportunity to bring in that voice of comfort, that voice of reassurance, that voice of nurturance, which may not come naturally. So it's a practice. Mm, Exactly. And then I I would actually speak a little bit more into like more the practical things I've been doing alongside with Rocksteady that have really helped me. Uh, And so I've been, every time I've noticed if something feels um, nurturing or comforting, I've been just taking my phone and writing things down in in notes. Mm -hmm. And so I have, I have, um, like a, a list, a supporting list for myself that I can draw upon uh, in, in just my daily life. And I have been uh, found finding that, um, you know, through the touch 
uh, our touch system that uh, uh, that I also have my I, my first love language is touch. That's the way I actually feel love. Uh, so that's been going really well hand hand together. And I've noticed that I respond very well to warmth and, and cold. So, you know, a, a variation in temperature. Uh, so I have different, uh, like creature comforts. I believe you used that word once in, in Rock City and, and I really like that word. <laughs> so I have a lot of... <laughs> creature comforts that I can draw upon to, you know, just support myself and, you know, feel like, uh, you know, draw upon the same feelings that I get if somebody gives me a real, really big hug that I love. I can give that to myself through, um, I have this heating blanket, for example, that it has been really helpful and, in, in times that's been really hard for me and I've had this I have this um, blanket that's weighted mm -hmm. uh, so I, 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 I use that sometimes so for me I've been using a lot of like um, physical things uh, sensory input yeah to to also activate you know um, my um, connection to my the touch system and activating it uh, because it's been really difficult for me to feel um, because I guess I've resisted it for a really long time. So, well, you know. Yeah, and coming back to the neuroscience, the first part of our brain that develops in utero in our, in, in, <clears throat> in our mother's belly is the part of our brain that's responsible for the freeze system. That's a theory anyway. And so when things become too overwhelming for us and we're too overstimulated in our mother's belly, we actually freeze just to help us cope and help us to, to maintain our equilibrium. So that freeze response is what you're talking about here. It's when we shut down from feeling, it's when we overeat, it's when we have alcohol, it's when we take drugs, it's when we talk too much, it's anytime we're, we're not wanting to feel and so we'll do anything to avoid that feeling and we'll, we'll squash it down and we'll numb it and we'll suppress it we'll dissociate it we'll leave our experience we'll leave our body and so it sounds to me what you're doing really really beautifully is exploring that aspect of pleasure sensation where it is comforting and it it, it feels like a sensation that your brain can really comfortably take in and be with and integrate it feels safe it feels cozy it feels steadying it feels grounded and you're using all sorts of different blankets and sensory measures to build that range of resilience, to build that window of tolerance for sensation. Because the thing mm. is, is when we numb down our sensations or symptoms and we numb down the difficult bits, we actually numb down the positive, pleasurable bits as well. So we're actually learning just how to feel again in general. And mm. um, a large central focus of Rocksteady is finding desired qualities of sensation instead of overly focusing on symptoms so we're trying to sort of coerce the brain or invite the brain to shift away from a symptomatology focus my watch is talking to me to shift <laughs> away from a symptomatology focus um and into these deeper questions of well, what do i desire to feel what would my new normal be and just on that note i think people who get stuck in the rock steady process often try and focus too much on their desired sensations before integrating the difficult feelings, the sadnesses, the guilt, the loss, the grief, um, the hardships, and actually skipping over this trauma piece. And that's why they get stuck. Most likely, I would say in my professional observation is they're going, well, I want to feel calm. I want to feel grounded. I want to feel joy. I want to feel confident. And they're trying to just cherry pick the feelings that their body experiences without saying, well, actually, if I really meet this grief that I never felt through this deep grief on the other side of that grief. Once I integrate it and feel through it is my joy. And if I really feel through this uncertainty and this unpredictability and this absolute loss of control that I cannot control. And that is just a blatant truth. Like I can't control the weather or climate change. Once I come to terms with that on the other side of it is a deep exhale of relief and grounding. So our desired mm -hmm. qualities kind of link in with some of the very 
difficult emotions or challenges that we're trying to avoid <laughs> fight flight freeze from and that's mm-hmm. where these trauma pieces um become really central that we're learning yeah. to welcome in all feelings to feel through them in the body to bring that voice of loving kindness and nurture to befriend ourselves and be loving and from there have the tools to really broaden our window of tolerance our range of resilience and be more alive yeah and I think I think for me and also just for my experience I think in trauma work boundaries and setting boundaries is a really important piece of in of that of healing because um I guess most often when we've been you know experienced trauma in some way our our boundaries have been um disrespected mm-hmm. or just um or pushed in in some way and I think it's really important to um have that in mind and you know uh, uh, exploring what is your boundaries and what are you okay with and what are you not okay with and like setting those boundaries in mm-hmm. in the way that it's needed uh, mm-hmm. and that I guess will vary from situation to situation but um that's been a really big part of my healing so far has been telling my truth to the people I love and and telling them I can't participate in this or I I can but it I have to do it this way Hmm. because that's the way uh, I'm gonna be okay and and I need to prioritize that. Uh, also, because if I, it's not only for oneself, but you also become. It's I think your relationships. I think my relationships have benefited from me setting boundaries for myself. Um, it's it's a win win. Yeah. Uh, I think. And, and there's many way, many ways to do it. We talk about boundaries a lot in the life calls and we touch upon it in module two and then in module six, we really talk about our needs and getting really frank about what our needs are. Which yeah. would, and these will be dynamic and changing things. Um, and I completely agree with you. When we firm up our boundaries, especially when we learn that boundaries can be very loving, Um, we give other people permission to have their own boundaries and their own sense of containment and self. And so we're all independent sovereign beings living in a beautiful interconnected and interdependent world where no one is merging or needing rescuing or melting over into other people's boundaries. It's not as blurred and confusing and overwhelming when we all have boundaries and we know our place and the body is guiding us. The body is telling us, "Mm, this doesn't feel right. And that the body is teaching us how to refine our boundaries and to really exist with autonomy and sovereignty and independence, yet also honoring our interconnectedness and interdependence because boundaries don't have to be firm, cold walls. Boundaries can be porous systems where things can move in and out freely. And ideally, if you think about a membrane cell, we want nourishment and loving support to come in through our boundaries and we want any fears, judgments, or emotional baggage and trauma that is not ours. We want that to move out of our boundaries so we're not holding that in the body. Um, and if, you, if, you're, if you're kind of interested to learn more about trauma, you'll notice a lot of the big books published on trauma have body in the title, you know, the body holds the score, that the, the, the body is really holding our trauma patterns in our neurology, literally in our muscles, in our nervous system. And as we process our traumas and our trauma patterns, which can be intergenerational, um, we soften in our body. We come home to ourselves. We, we, we don't have to hold on to other people's baggage forever. It's, 
And I think it's really important to remember we're born to do this. We are resilient and adept at processing trauma. Humans are absolutely designed to to feel through this. And I love reminding myself that my sensations, my body has created these sensations so I will feel them. The whole point of my sensations is that I feel them. That's what they're there for. They're created for me to feel. They are like little text messages from my body and soul alerting me to how I can live a full, alive life in relationship to the world. There's nothing to be Mm. afraid of or hide from. However, when we're little, when we're young and it's too much too soon and we don't have life experience and we don't have caretakers protecting us or educating us or supporting us or creating safe environments, that's when those vital defense and protective mechanisms of suppressing, squashing, fighting, freezing, all of that um, are really useful and valid. So now we're adults, we're learning how to thaw out any frozen bits, how to awaken lost sensation and how to really come back to our aliveness, listen to our inner GPS system and have our own internal maps to be discerning and really take back our control. I'd love Mm. to end the conversation, Sarah, with the question of how how have you taken back your control through this rock steady process? I mean, it started with tinnitus and it's really gone through an incredible rebirthing process for you. Your whole life's really blossomed. But can you speak to that piece of control? It sounds like before the rock steady program, there there was a, a lack of control and a hopelessness. And now it feels like you're, you're expressing possibility and creativity and hope. Yeah. So for me, I really learned to trust that, to trust my experience and my inner world. So whatever, when I feel, even if I feel like a small resistance to something, maybe um, it could just, it could be participating in something in my family, if, if I feel, you know, I, I really try to be honest with what I feel and trust that, trust my inner world and not question uh, uh, myself as much. So um, really mm. taking myself seriously and not explaining uh, feelings uh, away or um, um, pushing through, um, really, yeah, taking myself serious and trusting that I'm wise. And uh, that has been, I think, I guess the big shift for me because then I've so I act uh more in alignment I guess with myself instead of just Mm. doing nothing or pushing through that like I've been for so long so I guess that's yeah yeah what you're bringing up for me when I when I hear this is there's a there's a huge pattern or even expectation I would say in society of diminishing minimizing or dismissing emotions and feelings and often that's because people are so uncomfortable with emotions um and that could be just the people in our immediate environment whether it's work colleagues friends family and we can feel laughed at we can feel pushed aside we can feel silenced and so we from from a very young age it can be that we learn to diminish and minimize what we're feeling and we just keep learning to squash and squash and squash and it's no big deal it's nothing um and while we don't need to be dramatic and we don't need to make a big deal about symptoms you know tinnitus is not going to kill us dizziness and vertigo are not going to kill us it's 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 the relationship we have to them and how we listen to the wisdom of the body and take heed and listen and learn to pause in these micro moments to pause observe choose and act on repeat um as we discuss in module six that we learn to not minimize or diminish these micro moments, these micro moments of valuable sensation, of vulnerability, of presence, of authenticity, 
we can push through a thousand times a day but it keeps building up the explosiveness in our body keeps tensing up and contracting and screaming at us to listen 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 um and it's an art form i get every now and then in our rock steady group i get people saying so how do i listen to my body like <laughs> and i think as you've described really beautifully on today's call it can be a slow process of unwinding of of educating, of learning, of pausing, and really learning how to re-engage that sensory system. Because if we have had decades of numbing, suppressing, dissociating, freezing, diminishing and minimizing, it's really hard to let the feeling back in. It's such a foreign concept. So Mm -hmm. for those of you listening, um, just really want to invite you to take it at your own pace be supported. I mean, the Rocksteady program is comprehensive. There is so much peer support and such a plethora and backlog of incredible Q&A from our community members globally. Um, And I think having the modules and the step-by-step process really is a gift that you can keep moving forwards. Mm -hmm. And as Sarah says, even if you feel stuck, there, there are ways you can move through the stuckness. And it could be that little micro traumas or perhaps even bigger suppressed traumas, which was part of my story. I didn't realize I had traumas. They were so well suppressed um, that they came out 17 years later and I literally had no concept. So they were hiding in there and then they came out when I was ready to process it. Um, And I would just want to really invite people to view this as an invitation to be gentle, to integrate, to grow, to metabolize, to let these life experiences become a more resilient, stronger part of who we are, nothing to be afraid of and nothing to keep pushing away, denying, avoiding, escaping on repeat. Um, yeah, it's just fascinating. I've deeply enjoyed actually learning about trauma. Once that door opened for me, it, it, it filled me with lots of possibility and deep respect for the human body and nervous system. Um would you say, how was your experience of opening up the trauma door? Yeah, the, not in the beginning. No. <laughs> it's been really, no. Uh, it's, I, I think the appreciation and the curiosity has, it's beginning to come a lot more. Mm. And with that also uh, more compassion for myself. And that also helps um, feeling through it and being able to hold that so it's yeah. but it, it, I, in the beginning it's 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 hard i've been resisting for a long time and it's been really difficult and but uh, it's just you know over time i have it's it's become easier and and, and now it's beginning to be interesting <laughs> a I'm, little re- bit. I'm really glad that you've been brave enough to to reach out to me to have these difficult conversations and to find support people in your community to nurture and support you as you grow because this is just a huge growth huge Mm. growth and I really believe I really believe in collective healing too you know for every human being who processes their trauma that is that's a little bit less trauma on the planet and there's a sense of collective healing that we're all interconnected And the more people who come home to their bodies with presence and loving awareness and loving kindness and insight and nurturance, the more those qualities grow on the planet. And so Mm. I really want to thank you for being brave enough to do this work and to shine your light and to open your heart. Thank you. Thank you. Any passing words for our listeners? Um, perhaps perhaps anyone out there who's thinking about doing the Rocksteady program but feeling a bit stuck and something I hear quite often is you know it feels like if I try the Rocksteady program it's my absolute last resource and if this doesn't work then I'm like going to die because I've tried everything and they're actually afraid to start the program because they're worried if it doesn't work then they're really really going to lose the plot um And I appreciate that fear, but I'm wondering what would you say to someone who's feeling afraid to try? Well, I think there's something for me, it has been a very important piece to reach out 
because I actually went for quite a few years not asking for help and not um, trying something new. And, and I needed to learn skills and um, I needed a place where like for me, the, um, the group calls and listening to others um, have been really uh, um, valuable. And I think that's a great part, piece of Rocksteady that you, there's a lot of information and a lot of audio you can listen to yourself and a lot of uh, exercises and stuff, but there's the community as well and and so and I, I don't I don't think I would have been here uh, I wouldn't have come so far if I didn't if I hadn't reached out yet and I, I will also be honest that even after joining Rocksteady I did I, I, I still found myself chasing a little bit mm-hmm. for a other solutions, but I, I've just keep circling back to Rocksteady again and again and again because I in in other treatments um, uh, um, and and other places I have searched for information and 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 stuff like that. There has always been missing this more um, this piece of, of depth that I think Rocksteady offers, uh, especially with the with the community and with um, with all the content. So I would just really recommend Rocksteady. Uh, it's been the source that I've been coming back to and that I now stick to. Uh, and I'm, you know, going through the, I think it's my third time now going through Web City program. And every time I do it, I learn something new. Um, I, I maybe pick up on something I didn't uh, remember from, from the first time. So it's, you know, it's, an, it's a lifelong companion. I feel like it's not, a 12-week program only it's it's something I can practice mm. the rest of my life and I will because it it truly changed um a lot for me and I uh yeah I just can't I I, I can't imagine where I would have been uh, today if I yeah wouldn't have been a part of it yeah so thank, thank you, you. Thank you for being a part of it and for reaching out. And we have a very generous scholarship program. So if you are feeling that you're unable to work or you're in a really difficult um, economic or political situation, please reach out. We do what we can to make sure the Rock City program is financially available with pay what you can scholarships or full scholarships where needed. Um, Yeah. And I feel like saying for those people out there who are afraid to get started, there's a there's a wonderful difference between probability and possibility. And when we live a life based on probability, we're, we're constantly counting numbers and it really is a fear-based way of living. When we step into possibility and we keep opening up the possibility of healing and the possibility of changing and the possibility of the Rocksteady modules being available to us or the possibility of getting started and the possibility of trial and error and trying new tricks and tools and the possibility of listening to the body and the possibility of working through trauma patterns the doors just keep open keep opening for us as we live with this mindset of possibility and it doesn't mean that we do the 12-week program and all our problems are solved it means that we have a resource and a circular spiral companion we can keep going into and keep learning and keep growing the tools are there for us as we meet ongoing life's challenges. And many of my Rocksteady clients will come in with um, tinnitus, dizziness or vertigo, some kind of audio vestibular diagnosis or condition, and they will keep going with the Rocksteady process even after their symptoms really have returned to normal or their sensations have resolved because it's a way of life and it's a beautiful way of honouring our power, our sovereignty, 
fine-tuning our boundaries and becoming that better version of ourselves where we're not stuck in defense patterns and mechanisms and coping strategies or managing or dealing with life or surviving we invite our aliveness so I think allow it let it be slow let it let it go at your own pace um and yeah I'm looking forward to meeting new people in our community as as the years keep unfolding it's really exciting that so many people are going from feeling rock bottom, feeling very alone, feeling told that there's no cure, go live with it. They come to our community and they reinvent themselves and reinvent their lives. It really is an exciting community to be a part of. Mm. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing um, your time and your story, Sarah. Of course. Of course. Mm. Thank you for everything. Mm, it's a pleasure. For those of you listening, and you want to learn more, visit seekingbalance.com.au. Come join our Rocksteady program if you want to become a part of this powerful community. We have our monthly live group calls. You can listen to others. You can bring your own questions. And we're on this journey together. You get your full six modules. You get bonus audios. You get pep talks. It's a really robust, comprehensive, supportive toolkit that, as Sarah said, you get to keep it for life. Mm. I'm Joey Remini. Um, I really enjoy being part of this community as well. So I want to thank you to my listeners and thank you again to Sarah. Thank you. Bye for now.